0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Mal Rushmore Podcast. I'm Jeff Hopkins, and I'm joined by my buddies, Richard Manfredi. Hello. And Michael Winfield. Howdy. Richard and Michael spend a lot of their time supporting each other's ideas, encouraging each other through life, but they spend even more time arguing and undercutting each other's opinions about the four things that most represent to them the best aspects of a certain topic. And they've asked me to jump in and serve as judge and jury and executioner. Yeah, executioner. I said it. Uh, this one got serious this week, Michael. yeah
1: I did, level raised. I'm scared that he pointed two fingers at my eyes after looking at pointing at his eyes. Is it the gun thing. <laughs> the, the throat
0: slit with the thumb. Yeah, yep. uh, And this topic that I'm going to be uh, judging them on are sports fans, famous, famous sports, sports fans. Sports fans. Thank you for correcting me. I was going. It was going so good until then. <laughs> All right,
1: who's who chose this topic? This was my topic. Oh, so, okay, Michael, you go first. Uh, I get. To To go first, and my first, is Spike Lee. Ooh, yeah. He's a famous sports fan of the basketballs. He does love the basketballs. Specifically, the New York Knickerbockers. Mm. Um, Spike Lee is a crazy person. (laughs) He is. He dresses for Knicks games the way that Raiders fans dress for Raiders games. Or that hobos dress for the winter. He is. (laughs) If you were a hip-hop hobo, (laughs) you would look like Spike Lee at a Knicks game. He is the Jack Nicholson of the New York Knicks. By the way, is he on your list? He is not on my list. Not on my list either. That's amazing. Yeah. We can get to that. We can get why he's not in a second, but um, I agree. But uh, Spike Lee is on my list because he is the guy that really wishes he could be on the court or more specifically wishes he could be like the coach telling these guys what to do. Yet, he's never going to get there. He's five foot six. Right. He's also kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had this great in with the basketball community, you know, in the early 90s with all of his Nike commercials. Yeah, the eighty with the Mars mm-hmm. Blackwood. With the Mars Blackman. With the Mars and stuff and it seems like that got him a lot of like cred yeah street cred going into like a basketball lifestyle he's been a fan of the Knicks since he was 14 and used to have you know went to every game and sat up in the rafters and you know became rich and you could buy courtside seats now and that's where you see him every Knicks games like he you know even this last year he gave up going to the Oscars to go watch the Knicks play just a standard regular games right well they're never going to be in the playoffs yeah exactly <laughs> but but he's like he is like the quintessential Celebrity Courtside You will always see him Next to the bench You will always see him On the front row Yeah he's not the guy Who's there for like One or two games He's kind of shows up He's there every game And he he makes himself Very well known In these games Oh he's had some feuds He makes himself known uh, Very famously In 1994 The Indiana Pacers Were at Madison Square Garden Playing the Knicks And Reggie Miller Just uh, He had an incredible quarter Of like He scored 25 points Well he scored 7 points In the final 30 seconds There's that too Yeah but throughout, throughout like the final quarter, like every shot he took, he would stare over it. Not at the bench, not at the other players. Oh, I'm, I'm mixing my games up. Yeah, there's that one, yeah. Specifically, it's Spike Lee. He would hold his, hold his hands up to his throat as if like the Knicks were choking away. Or, they, or he would do, I think one time he did do the throat slash. He might have even grabbed his crotch. But basically, he, uh, Reggie Miller turned everything, like he used him, he used this one crazy fan, very famous, mm-hmm. as like his focus point is like, I'm just going to destroy the team. It didn't help. They eventually went on to lose the series. So he is famous, and he's also
0: famous for being a sports fan.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. I, 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 just before we move on, I, I didn't put Jack on there, even though he is probably the most famous. He was the original, like famous basketball fan, I guess. Yeah. Just because I, I, I'm not sure he's alive anymore. They just kind of he's just there, and he doesn't seem to interact with anybody. Like in the 80s, he was always there, and he was like engaged. Well, I think i see him on the court anymore. He's like beaten down, just like any
1: other Lakers fan. At he's, this point, he's there and almost like paired up with his his friend. Uh, Lou Adler. And yeah, he's been a, a season ticket holder for the Lakers for forever since the '70s. But he, I think he represented like the '80s and early '90s, like Showtime Lakers, more than anything. And as that kind of transitioned into the Kobe era, and had up and ups and downs, like there have been kind of more famous people that have come. So he's kind of yeah. like a sports fixture, yeah, sports
2: fan. I, well, it's almost that's like a good way of putting it. Or he's it. almost like kind of this symbol for the Lakers, where it's kind of built on tradition and everything that's been accomplished in the past. Past. The actual
1: present is kind of run down and sort of seedy. Yeah, that one. and going back to Spike Lee, just to round it out a little, little bit, but everyone blamed Spike Lee for, for that one game, for losing that game. The New York yeah. Daily News, their headline for the day was, thanks a lot, Spike, after they lost. <laughs> That's
2: impressive that you can actually be blamed. The only other time I can think of a, a celebrity getting involved to that extent in a game was I think Jimmy Buffett got kicked out of a heat, skate, heat game, and they may have even been assessed a technical because he was bragging on the refs so much. You know, Mark Margaritaville. What do you have to, I
1: mean, for a technical, for a fan, what do you do? Do you just have to pay double for, like, popcorn? Well, I've heard Margaritaville enough times I'd be willing to give a technical <laughs> to some general principle, so. Okay, Richard, what's
2: your first? All right, so I I, I went the Winfield route and have some categories here. Oh, God. Which I know. I'll be the judge of whether they're good <laughs> categories. Okay, so our categories are actual fanatics, the two sides of Cubs fandom, and sexy fans. So we'll start off with actual fanatics, which, of course, is what fans stands for and I'm going with Roland Stewart who you may not know the his actual name but he is the rainbow wig man oh. so he was also known as the John 316 guy who had uh, yeah. a, a public television painting show for a while no no <laughs> happy that's, happy that's <laughs> trees that's Bob Ross okay. did not have a
0: rainbow wig oh I'm just, sorry just, he also sang lead at Ario Speedwagon for a while and yeah was, that, yes okay, yes that's so yes, so the guy, okay.
2: that's <laughs> the guy. Um, so he started off he was a marijuana farmer oh, wow. and he stated that he Wait, wanted George Washington no the guy from Ario Speedwagon oh sorry, sorry. so he was a marijuana farmer and he said he wanted to be famous and this is like in the mid-70s so he, he decided instead of going to Hollywood and trying to audition and do it the, the hard way he was just trying to get on TV any way he could so the idea he came up with was to wear a giant rainbow wig and go to sporting events
1: and he would that was when everyone went in like three piece suits <laughs> anybody that went to a sport where they were just they were there in a the fedora they, <laughs> they were fun. all buttoned up so yeah yes. he, would stand out. he would stand out in the crowd and rainbow wigs were only used in military operations Operations
2: <laughs> right. Exclusively. Uh, I think it's a Scientology thing. I oh, think it's a Sea Org thing. <laughs> so he would just show up to every game he could afford to go to, and he would actually bring a portable television. And This was, you know, back in the late 70s when those were really rare. And he would see, okay, here's how the cameras are set up for the game. Then he would make sure he would sneak into whatever section, had the most likelihood, to have the most shots, and make sure he sat there so he could get on TV. Wow. So he was just, in the beginning, he was just famous for being on TV over and over again. You know, he got to do like magazine articles and a few things. And after a few years, people are like, "Oh, great, it's Rainbow Wig guy again. Who cares?" So he started thinking about, you know, what could he do with his Rain- the time? Rainbow mustache. He thought Rainbow merkin. <laughs> so he was actually in the in a hotel room after the Super Bowl in 1980. He was watching a televangelist, and he became born again and realized what he could do. When he was to instead of promoting himself, try to promote religion. So he started instead of having just a rainbow wig, he had a who carried a sign that said John. 316, uh, which is not a score. I think it's actually something from the Bible. Um, and then he would have a shirt that says Jesus Saves, which again is not a soccer reference. I think that's actually just a, a, a religious thing. And he would do that for several years. And it got to the point where TV directors would purposely try to frame shots so that he wasn't in the background. Mm. Like Brent Musburger tells a story that like you know, directors
1: would like lose their minds if a camera guy had a shot set up and he snuck into it. Do you think um, wrestler Stone Cold Steve Austin, do you think his... Austin three sixteen. I, I know it was old, yeah, it it was absolutely ultimately derived from uh, you know his feud with with Jake the Snake Roberts and the Bible thumping of that character for a while. But do you think it, like specifically the
2: yeah, I think the the reason it's Austin three sixteen was because this guy made the John three John three sixteen
1: pretty thing folks.
2: so famous.
1: Um, and then his story really doesn't have a happy ending. Marijuana farmer who wears clown wig <laughs> and Bible <laughs> verses on T shirt does not have a happy ending. Use um, he, it a I mean, Couple of things. One, he didn't never actually
2: like sports, uh, yes. <laughs> which is great. We a good thing because you're your life goes, he put the events. fanatic in sports uh, fanatic, but not, not the sports. sports. So, what sport did he follow? Was it football? Every everything. baseball, everything? it was literally everything. Golf he, events. Uh, he, he was in the in the pits at the nineteen eighty two Indy five hundred. Wow. Okay. So, and then the other one is that he hasn't gone to an event in about twenty years because he is currently serving a life sentence. Oh, yeah. For um, he got progressively more and more insane, actually crazy. One where his. Wife wife divorced him like in 1986 or something like that I think it's 86 she took half that wig and was out of there <laughs> yeah, They had a prenup he got to keep the wig but she had to, she
1: got to keep the Jesus, she had red orange yellow he had green blue and I would love person. to see like
0: the, the child custody hearings these
2: three little kids with the wigs like wearing them. little baby wigs <laughs> I'm sorry, it's tragic. What? Where is he? Well, because he, uh, apparently he they got divorced because she says, course, allegedly, um, he tried to choke her to death because she held up the wrong so- sign at the wrong location at a game. So fast forward to 1992, he is completely off the deep end, religiously thinks that the end is coming <laughs> and wants the world to know about it. So the only way he can think about it, he kidnaps two day laborers, like picks them up from, a literally picks them up from Home Depot, tries to take them to a hotel to try to kidnap them. They get away, but there's a housekeeper who's in there, he winds up locking her in the closet or like in the bathroom, has a gun and it results in an eight hour standoff with the SWAT team. Meanwhile, that hotel room was re-sheet rocked, repainted.
0: <laughs> right. And,
2: and, and, the, and the, all the all the Motel 6 customers were really upset. They couldn't get their clean sheets. They couldn't get their little soaps, their little shampoos. Oh my gosh! So now he's, yeah, he's serving like three licenses. Mm-hmm. He was also, turned out he was mailing stink bombs. To like I think I ordered something out of like the
1: back of comic books. Yes, it's <laughs> also, like, it's oh. the gag soap and they fly in the ice cube. <laughs> also, my my um, my booklet on how to be a strong He-Man type character. Oh, were you the one that yeah. you know, to Charles yeah. Atlas? Charles Atlas telling you what to do? Yeah. I gotta say, as a kid, I
0: remember seeing him and thinking, I think he may have inspired my desire to be on television. <laughs> was, oh my God, I want to be famous like Rainbow Wick Guy.
2: Well, there you go. You, you <laughs> could have been, and then you could have been currently in jail
0: for the rest
1: of your life. All right, I'm gonna
0: ask you this, and I don't mean in a gross way, but what's your number two? Michael? My
1: number two is along the same lines uh, Ma- as Richard's last pick. It's Marlon's man, a.k.a. Oh, uh, yeah. Lawrence Levy, who is, I guess, he's currently the... He's the baseball superfan de jour. Yeah, well, he, and and Miami Heat and the Super Bowl. He He's basically has taken the same sort of line that your guy just did, where he's constantly in the front row and in every shot of every major sporting event for the past like four or five years. Yeah. So he is... Lawrence Levy is an attorney out of Florida and... Great Florida. (laughs) And since 2012, he's been traveling around to major sporting events and always wears the same uh, orange Marlins, like, I guess it's like a track jacket or it's like their their starter jacket or whatever. And basically, he loves sports, loves the Marlins, but loves going to major games, loves going to the Super Bowl and kind of became famous uh, in 2012 when he... Went to a world's I can't remember what the order is. I think he went to uh, Miami Heat. Who did they play in 2012? Maybe that or was the Spurs Madden or Spurs. Spurs. I think, Spurs it, was, I think it was Heat Spurs. Yeah, Spurs. And the entire arena was given white, like white out Miami Heat shirts, and he didn't get one or he didn't wear one. So everyone was in white except for him standing out in this orange Marlins jacket. And then later that same day, he went to a World Series game where it was like the next day or something, because he's got a lot of money, so he yeah. flies around. The Giants game wasn't? It? it was a Giants, yeah. It was Giants uh Somebody. Rangers 2012. Sounds yeah. right. Yeah. It, and, and, he, check out. and he was behind home plate wearing this Marlin's jack, this bright orange. So like he became instantly recognizable. And ever since he's been on TV right there, he was this last Super Bowl, he was in the end zone of and the cameras can't that's the thing with like maybe they could have avoided your John 316. Game. Guy. When you're behind home plate, you're an F yeah. in every shot of every pitch. Um, something interesting is that for the Royals World Series, the last one. No, no, it was uh, 2000. They've been the last two, right? Yeah, it was the last one. Last, before the last year was the one against the Giants that they lost. The one against. If the, they would have sent Billy Butler. <laughs> <the last> <laughs> that's right. If I guess the Royals came down and kind of didn't ask him to take off his jacket, but kind of offered him a suite and a box to kind of move. Yeah. And he turned him down. He was like, I paid $8,000 for these tickets. Well, that's happened before. Has, didn't
2: that happen to some Dodgers fans in Arizona a couple years Years ago, yeah, they got kicked out because they didn't
1: have Dodger stuff on behind home plate. Yeah, certainly not famous fans, the the Dodger fans, but they were just they bought those tickets, and I guess if you're trying to protect like brand identity, um, I guess he even has a uh, uh, like his car is like a 1970 Cadillac DeVille that's bright orange. So he's the Marlins fan. He's that's him. He's that one guy that you're going to be like, oh, who's that? Oh, that's that guy. Do you
2: think it's more unique because he's a Marlins fan versus if he was like, hey, there's the guy who has the Yankees gear everywhere or the Dodgers gear
1: or the definitely Bulls. because it's it's such a color that stands out, right? It's it's as if the '80s just vomited all over like a, a jersey. Yeah, if you're wearing like a black starter jacket or whatever, you kind of fade to the background. But if you're if everybody's in blue and you're there in orange, you're going to get seen. Yeah, pretty much. All right, what's your a second choice? All right, so I'm getting into the first of my two...
2: Uh, the two sides of Cubs fandom. And I'll go ahead and start with the, the, the upbeat side, the happy side. And so I'm going to go with Bill Murray. This will be my only celebrity celebrity choice. But Bill Murray's been a Cubs fan all his life. He's a big baseball fan. Uh, he's the co-owner of the St. Saint Paul, Saint Paul Saints, which if you watch Space Jam, that's the uh, jersey or the hat that he's wearing during the, uh, the, the game. Never seen Space Jam. Yeah, I'm sure you haven't. But he's co-owned several teams. That's one of the ones he co-owns. Uh, there's a great article from the National, which was a, a daily sports newspaper back in the 90s. Some writer got to spend three days basically just going to Cubs games with Bill with Bill Murray. And he'll sit in the stands, and his job is basically shows up, gets a pull of sausage, drinks two or three beers, keeps his own score, yells heckles the players, and uh, just basically slums it like a regular fan, which I think is pretty Bill Murray-like. You know, that's, yeah, I, I would be a little shocked if he was in the, the luxury suites. He's also been involved in kind of a more active role with Cubs, too. He was part of the Broadcast of the opening night of uh, night baseball at Wrigley Field. He, one time in 1987, Harry Carey, I'm doing air quotes here, missed a game because he was sick, which I assume was either really drunk or really hungover. So Bill Murray worked the whole game as the color commentator. Yeah, that's fun. And, I, and we'll post it. I'll post it on the website. There's a YouTube that's got the best bits of it. And needless to say, it is not your standard baseball announcer color commentary. I think my best line, the best line from it is he says something that they mentioned how beer sells. Have been cut off at the seventh inning, and he says something like, Well, if you can't get really drunk by the eighth inning, you have no, no business being <laughs> here. Hero to all. He is a hero to all. He recently said that he would rather have the Cubs win the World Series than Xavier win the Final Four, which is kind of interesting since his son Luke is an assistant coach for Xavier. Got um, he does have loyalties. This past spring training, there was a mime who helped lead the Cubs on stretching exercises one day at spring training. Said mime looked a lot like Bill Murray. <laughs> so to me, that that's, that, that's being a mime and leading your team in, in uh, stretches is even more impressive than Will Ferrell
0: playing for nine positions for nine teams in one day. I'll take, I'll take Bill Murray in the day that we go for Will, Will Ferrell. Alright, so we've each uh, registered our first two choices, and we're going to take a break to let you know that the Mount Rushmore Podcast is your podcast in that you can let us know your feedback on it. What do you think of it? What do you think of our choices? What do you think a good subject would be for us to debate the Mount Rushmore of? You can let us know at uh, Mount Rushmore Podcasts.com where we host all of the episodes on iTunes, or you can give a feedback and rate our podcast on iTunes. Please do that because it helps us know what you think, what you'd like, and it also helps other people know that we exist. So give us feedback, leave a rating, and leave a ranking, if you will. And you can also reach us on all the standard social media places. Just search Mount Rushmore Podcast on our Twitter, and we even have an Instagram that's gonna come up. Let us know what you dig, let us know what you want to talk about let us know what you think of what we've been talking about alright so we're gonna get halftime is over gentlemen it's time to go ding ding. ding. oh wait no, that's was lot the podcast <laughs> <a robot> <laughs> um, okay, i okay I think you're back at it are you Michael
1: yeah my third pick is Mr. Paul Rudd hmm. who, from Casey Everything I see alright uh, he's a big fan of the Kansas City Royals of the Kansas City Chiefs and of Sporting Casey the pretend you're making thing. that up that's not a real team you're making that up <laughs> it's seems that most of the names of, of the Major League Soccer teams' names are all made up. I don't understand. I can't, I can't tell when one is real or one is... That'd be a fun game to play. I should
2: come up with like some fake ones and some real ones to see if Michael can tell the difference. Yeah. But it, it, it's, it's amazingly sidebar. It's better than their forward, forward name, which was the Kansas City Wiz. The Kansas City Wiz. Was, was, it, was it short for Wizards? They were the Wiz the first season, and then everyone realized, hmm, that's <laughs> not good.
1: Especially when the Wiz played the burn. It was an actually thing that happened so then they went with Wizards well being a fan of Kansas City kind of reminds me of a certain guy we may or may not know that may or may not have spent uh, every game of the last uh, Royals baseball season uh, YouTubing whether the team won or lost including the playoffs (laughs) but Paul Rudd has been a Kansas City sports fan since so before you were born just he's been there through the bad times and the good because people don't know Paul
2: Rudd's actually like 67 years old he hasn't aged doesn't look at it but he actually remember. He was there at Super
1: Bowl, like, four. When they <laughs> He's from Overland Park, Missouri. Um, As is... In the, oh, I'm sorry, Overland Park, Kansas. As is a number of other... Yeah, of oh, wait, his, Mr., like, Mr. Mr.
2: Kansas just jumped in here. Like, no, Kansas. I, we know we, Kansas. We get to claim him. We get to claim him. I went
0: to Shiny Mission East. Paul Rudd went to Shiny Mission West and Uh-oh. beat my ass every weekend in the forensics dramatic reading. Compass. This is incredible. <laughs> it was not fun to go <laughs> up against Paul Rudd and he would win all the time. And then I actually knew so in college, and
1: really? uh, Paul was very, very popular, always a very likable guy. He's got a always, great smile. Always. He Can we get him in here to guest judge? He would be a great judge. <laughs> what were you going to say? Oh, no. He, well, he was part of like, he's part of like this weird, like Kansas City sports yeah. fan mafia with like Rob Riggle yeah. and Jason Stakis and Eric Stonestreak and David Keckner. And all of these guys are just huge Kansas City yeah. fill in the blank fans. Yeah. Um, that's a terrible team name. <laughs> <The kids laughs> what, I, what I liked about him in particular is that maybe and maybe this speaks to the organization like the Royals just won the World Series this last year and he was brought on the field and he was brought into the locker room and he was doused in champagne mm-hmm. and it must be just maybe because it's a small town or maybe it's a bit more inclusive like if, if you're just any rich person you're usually just going to the game and enjoying it and You have your front row seats. And you, you, you're like Drake and you're just kind <laughs> of an asshole about it. <laughs> but if you're, if you're like maybe a small town guy and finally small town heroes and small town teams win big, maybe it does mean more to you. Well, yeah. I, and I don't think anyone would could, especially if you're a fan of the
2: Royals, for as long as he has been or you know, our friend Scott has been. There's
1: people like that who grew up there who kind of lived through all the lean times. You yeah. certainly can't make the case that, oh boy,
0: there's a you know, fair weather fan. I think unlike Los Angeles and New York, there are no indigenous celebrities in Kansas City. <laughs> so if you're the Lakers or if you're the Knicks, you've got those uh, bottom-feeding celebs around the ringside or side every time, so it's no big deal.
2: Reminder, when I do editing, get the rights to Kansas City Star by Roger and Miller. Roger okay, Miller. Got it. Uh, so, uh, Richard, what's sure. your third? Alright, my third is the dark side of Cubs fandom, and so, of course, we can only be talking about Steve Bartman. Oh. From the... A, a a normal guy, just kind of, I think it works like working by financial services or something. Got a ticket to game six of the 2003 National League Championship Series. Cubs were leading three games to two. Uh, one win would put them into the World Series for the first time since 1945 and I don't know if you've heard this they haven't actually won it since 1908 I'm not sure if you wait guys. the Cubs haven't yeah I know it's surprising you think Cubs you think mm-hmm. championships mm-hmm. but it's like it's, a curse or something yeah, yeah it's like something weird happened So he shows up to the game
1: and and in some pictures, the eighth inning they're up three to zero they're gonna win the series we got Mark
2: Pryor pitching who is just throwing a gem there's one on one out runner on second yeah runner on second Luis Castillo hits a fly ball uh, kind of curling down the left baseline and Moises Alou the left fielder goes kind of drifts over and it's getting near the in Wrigley Field you can keep the there's not a lot of room in foul territory so it gets into the the stands real quick and Lou reaches up kind of at the edge of the stands and as he goes through reach it. A couple fans reach up to try and get it, but only one fan actually touches the ball, knocks it, loop, and Moises Alou can't get it. Moises Alou immediately starts yelling at the fans, yelling at the, the umpire, trying to get interference called, which would be an automatic out, throws his glove down, and basically stomps around like
1: a pet of a baby. Yeah, do you think like, I, I bet Steve Barman wouldn't be so infamous if Moises Alou didn't act like such a, like a baby. An yeah, I, th- yeah, trust me, this is as much on Moises
2: Alou as anybody else. Um, so to wrap up the story, I've got people who don't, don't know the story at this point. The Cubs or the Marlins wind up scoring eight runs in that inning,
1: take an eight to three lead, win the game, and then win the series in Game Seven. And I Steve really Bartman, hope Lawrence Levy, the Marlins guy, was there in that <laughs> game. He probably was. Probably was. Yeah. He, he was probably, probably wearing their old colors though, too, so you didn't see
2: him as much. Exactly blended in. But yeah, I mean, so Steve Bartman is probably maybe the most infamous sports fan of all time. I mean, he basically had to get escorted out by security before the game even ended, where he was getting beer thrown on him and all manner of nasty debris. had to have six police officers as security for him in the days after the game, because they were literally worried about his safety. The uh, governor of Florida Florida at the time actually offered him asylum, political asylum, if he wanted to move to Florida. Oh, wow. He released one statement, basically apologizing for it, saying how heartbroken he was, but he wasn't basically that he wasn't paying attention to where the fielder was. He just saw a ball coming to him, and he thought, well, I'll catch a foul ball. And it's actually, the ball is in the stands, so he has every right to do that. The contention is, well, it's your own team. You should let the guy trying to catch the ball have every opportunity to catch it. But I think most fans, if
1: they see a foul ball coming their way and it's in the stands, they're going to try to catch it. Because you're only watching the ball. You're not watching the player run up towards you for the most part. Especially if the ball is headed your way. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he became like... He's almost a hero. <laughs> Another take on the story. Are you, a, are you a Marlins fan,
2: Michael? Is that what I'm sensing? You know, Charles Manson <laughs> was just trying here. to organize a bunch of crazy kids. <laughs> Give them activities to do. Is in it way, a way, he's like, He's like a camp counselor in a way. In a way, not, not a in a real way, but in <laughs> kind of a way. I mean, he, he, he has also given us a Insta Halloween costume. Just go get a go get a Cubs hat, headphones, dorky glasses. You're done. So, and, and, and the other the other goat here is Alex Gonzalez, who's the shortstop was the shortstop for the Cubs. Um, they were only down three one after all this happened. Runner, I think, first and second. Easy grounder to him. Should have been a routine double play. Get out of the inning. He boots it. Inning continues. They would go on to score eight runs. So, I mean, if there's anybody who should be grateful to Steve Bartman, it should be Alex Alex Gonzalez. Mm. Because otherwise we would know this as the Alex Gonzalez game. And he would probably be the most vilified person in Chicago because it seems like Chicago people may be a little bitter about this Cubs thing. Not sure, but it seems like that. Also, one last thing. They did um, Harry Carey's restaurant. I don't think he's involved with anymore since he's been dead for 15 years. But his restaurant bought the ball, had it exploded, had pieces of that boiled, and they used the steam to make a pasta sauce. No! <laughs> I don't even see, know what that's, to make it that's of that. It's like out. a cartoon thing to do. <laughs> it's, <amazing. laughs> it's totally unnecessary. I'm sure people bought it for like $10 a bottle or oh, something. god, so I the ball. I can see Kerry saying that. Hey, did you see the ball explode?
0: <sighs> All right, so Michael, this is your last one to put in here.
2: Does uh, absolute power
0: <sighs> corrupt? Oh, wow. I I jeff got it. Let's, let's ask him. Steven Seagal had absolute power. He's, <laughs> look what it did to his career. <laughs>
1: well, the closest that we have right now is the president of the United States... Barack Obama. Oh wow, he might be the what kind of what kind of kid, uh, the Kenyan national team is that? A Kenyan
2: runners Terrible. is that what you're talking about?
1: Um, Arthur or Richard Manfredi. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we went into like Steve Bartman might not be the worst person in the world, and <laughs> Richard Manfredi, hater. This is friends. the president. I just president. want proof. I just want proof. You guys, I haven't seen proof
2: other he
0: than slow jam the news, and he can have his uh, March Madness picks. He, can, he, do can, all.
1: he I, can do I, it all. I think he's pretty well known as, as just a complete and total sports fan sports fan, regardless of the sport. He loves basketball. Former college basketball player. Yeah. Since moving to Chicago when he moved to Chicago from who knows where, Richard. <laughs> right. From, from which crazy country. Hawaii, that crazy country. Um, noted White Sox fan and Bulls fan. Although the White Sox, I guess that's kind of under... Under some review. Under some review. Some people have like called him on it and he's been like, who's your favorite White Sox player? And he's like, uh, or... Johnny to, Pitcher. But to his credit, no one's a fan of White Sox. Yeah, I mean I, no one wants to admit it in the in the, the least. fact that anyone would want to admit it should just give him credit. I me. feel like
0: you have to be a fan of the White Sox if you don't like the Cubs because it's Cubs or Sox north or south. Is that what it right, is? Right, that's the dividing line. Yeah. But it seems like you so you might say, "Well, I live in this region, so I'm, I'm White Sox." Yeah. Okay.
1: But what is what's what's great about being president is that you get to meet whoever you want just about at any time and when you're a big sports fan, you're constantly welcoming in championship teams. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a tradition that's gone back quite a long ways. After Back in 1865, Andrew Johnson welcomed the Brooklyn Atlantics and uh, Washington Nationals. He listed Grant, hosted the Cincinnati Red Stockings in 1869, and Calvin Coolidge, the 1924 Washington Senators. Did anyone host the, uh, the Harlem Globetrotters? <laughs> oh, well, well, just kidding. They were black. <laughs> um, but he's been doing this for you know the last eight years and seems to love doing it. As yeah. of like 2011, he'd have 35 championship teams that come. And he's even made up for like past mistakes. Where the Chicago Bears, the 85 Bears, didn't go to the White House. So he brought them in <laughs> oh, that's in great. the last few years. All 85 of them? I don't know. Oh, I get what you yeah, That's a joke. That's terrible. But, you know, with that power, you can be like, eh, why don't you come to the White House and we'll have a big ceremony for you? And does, like. Does he ever
2: pawn any of them off on Biden, like the really lesser <laughs> ones? Like, are you there? Okay, these guys won the Major League Lacrosse Championship. <laughs> okay. All right, Joe, you're up. Secretary of the Treasury, you
1: can go meet with him. Yeah, or MLS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's what he has to say. But I just think uh, I think it'll be weird. I mean, to not have Barack Obama in the White House and to have like this sudden like I'm sure the tradition will continue, but just definitely not in the way it has. Like, well, our, so our two choices are. I mean, really, sorry, Gary Johnson. Our two choices
2: will be either Hillary Clinton, and, and she doesn't strike me as a sports fan. She might be. I don't know. I don't know. She just doesn't strike me as. I not because she's female. Just she doesn't strike me as somebody who's going to sit down with a.
1: She's not going to think of Cheetos. She's and, like, not going to do like the. Uh, uh, you know the the March Madness bracket bracket, bracket that, yeah. that Barack Obama does every year, and like they have a whole ceremony with, mm-hmm. and he's he's made it a big thing on like Sports Center and ESPN. Is like justifying oh. the choices, yeah, real and, knowledge. And, and maybe I just because I seem to remember because Bill Clinton was like a big
2: Arkansas basketball fan. I seem to remember like because he invited the women's Arkansas basketball team to the Oval Office. No, they, think. they didn't. Well, win. They it, was win. it was
0: weird. <laughs> yeah. So I think as you, as you said, don't
2: see it, Hillary as. Yeah, I just seem to remember that she was sort of like a. Like sports, uh, so either that or uh, Stephon yeah. Curry. This is Hillary Clinton. <laughs> is he, so it's either going to be her or uh, Herr Trump. Yeah, and um, that that should be fascinating. That that actually would be fascinating if he uh, does wind up having to greet winning uh, sports teams. I hope, <laughs> I hope. if he loses, they make him have to come in and like greet the teams that lost off the championships. <laughs> that would be amazing. All, all the Brazilian World Cup soccer flares that he said are rapists and criminals.
0: Bowling with him in the basement of a. Oh.
2: No, Obama's the best. And, yeah, I mean, he's been very good at sort of, like, getting digs in at some of the players. Oh, sure. And kind of really having a lot more fun with it. And I think it helps. I mean, and, and for all of George
1: W. Bush's faults, he was also a big sports fan. It's amazing that, like, we don't, in our country, we don't have, like, a secretary of sports or someone that kind of regulates or governs all of the major sports or yeah. like, college athletic sports. And it would seem like... Hey, Barack! do you want to stay in the government and just, yeah. just do sports? So Sign you- me up. I would be, I would be, do I get to meet him again? I would be there. I would be there. And I. Just- so it's all like, like the ultimate fantasy football commissioner. Yeah. Ultimate. <laughs> like he just gets to hold all of the other commissioners to task and final rulings come up to him. I'm for it. Yeah. That does seem like
0: a plot of an Adam Sandler film, but it seemed like it would be pretty nice. <laughs>
2: yeah. Richard, what's your force? All right. So I am going, excuse me, I am going to my sexy sportsman pick. And unfortunately, Michael took Barack Obama. So I have to uh, kind of improvise here. So I am going with Morgana the Kissing Bandit. Oh, golly. <laughs> Real name Morgana Roberts, born in 1947. She is in a quote-unquote exotic dancer. So she actually did more like kind of like a burlesque. So her birth name show. wasn't Morgana the Kissing Bandit? Yeah. No, yeah. Her parents just knew. They, she, they knew. Uh, she was a burlesque dancer. Yeah, the Kissing Bandit was actually her middle name. Oh, the kissing. Thing. Yeah. Um, so she was, yeah, she, she had more like a burlesque show than a straight, like in a strip sure. show. Her measurements, a healthy, 60, 23, 39. Lordy. I believe that there may be some Is that advance. in metric, or is that in <laughs> <laughs> no, decimeters? <laughs> Holy smokes, folks. So I believe that may not be all natural. I cannot confirm or deny that. Um, so you first ran onto the field in 1969 to give a, a big smackeroo to Pete Rose, because a friend dared her, too. Originally, Pete Rose was mad about it, but then the next day showed up at her show to give her flowers to apologize. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, so Man, like that's Someone, Man of oh, honor, Pete, Pete Rose. Yes. So, <laughs> well, someone bet him whether yeah. or not he would do it. And, uh, so she kind of became like this local celebrity in Cincinnati, and kind of just branched out from there. And by 1990, he had run on, run onto the field to kiss 37 major league players, 12 NBA players, and God knows how many like minor league players and other random sports people.
1: Is she in any of the Hall of Fames? There actually, is actually she <laughs> runs through the Hall of Fame every <laughs> once in a while. And just kids start
2: kissing the bus, <laughs> kissing the bus. <laughs> 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 Um, she, had, she actually did have an exhibit. I don't know if it's still up, but there was an organic exhibit at one time in the, in the baseball Hall of Fame. In the cold sore Hall of Fame. <laughs> she, as a child, I remember seeing her on
0: live broadcasts and just being enamored with her. She, she seemed like a, a, almost like the poor man's fur faucet or something. You know, this yeah. Like the the, the, the ear sort
2: of like fur yeah. faucet.
0: Yeah. And as a child who did have access to his father's Playboy magazine, she did seem to be a living, breathing cartoon, like some of those illustrations and uh, lust, lustful wedges in Playboy words. Yeah.
2: seemed like the real thing walking around. Oh, absolutely. Now, I don't know if she didn't get cold or did not get cold sores, but she did only, she would only kiss players on the cheek. And she said, her quote is, it's more sanitary than the lips. I don't want to say that's, that's, that's their kind of and, floozy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why their wives don't, and, and that's why their wives don't get upset. <laughs> Virtua, virtuous floozy <laughs> that trundles across, <laughs> across, can, <more> can <laughs> across the uh, gridiron. Uh, besides, who wants tobacco stains all over your teeth? <laughs> so she had a good sense of humor about it. One time she did get a I think it was in Atlanta, and the lawyer actually used the uh, gravity defense and <laughs> said so that with 15 pound breasts, she was just leaning over the railing and the gravity just took her over the edge, and <laughs> then she just she had to go
1: kiss somebody after that. Now is she a sports fan or just a fan of uh, no, she was, kissing fellas? No, she is a sports fan. She actually uh, her husband that she was married to, like has been married to, I think, for like 40 years.
2: They proposed he proposed to her at a, like, a uh, rents game or something like that. So she's an actual like sports fan. The probably the best she she went after George multiple times? E. <laughs> <laughs> Which, which, please, please, uh, please, Google the or YouTube the uh, George Brett volcano. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just know why Michael did that. So she did this one time, and then a few weeks later, when uh, George Brett was back in the Cincinnati area or nearby for a game, he popped into her show and, in the middle of the show, just ran up on stage and kissed her and took off, which is pretty goddamn great. That's pretty great. So
1: yeah, so that's and, and she, to me that's yeah, sort of. He did, he did accuse her of her breast being corked, though. <laughs> <laughs> right. And someone said that he had too much <laughs> pine tar. Limbs. Oh, I screwed it up. He got
2: mad. He got mad and ran okay. But I just—you couldn't have that today. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have. You can't have anyone run onto the field, even if it's a very buxom, mm-hmm. blonde,
1: attractive blonde. Yeah, it would get tackled by security and hauled off in crutches or in in, in chains. You know? So what I hear is that Richard wants to make America great again <laughs> and go back in time to the days when when, when women could like just roam the fields of America, ball fields of America, kissing whoever they want. I think that's a pl- that's a platform we can get behind, guys. Her biggest trouble was when she tried it for, like, hockey games and just, like, <laughs> <Right, whoop, laughs> <now> she goes. <sighs> and, so, and just broke, fell, fell face forward and broke the ice.
0: We've each, uh, each of our enemy combatants has, uh, put out their four choices for the famous sports fanatic, and so now it's the much-loved segment of by our audience. That is Judge's Corner. Step with me into my corner. Who put the corner music in here? Yeah, I'll put it. So insert a polite applause yes. <sighs> my guys it's just us all alone uh, Michael and Richard are here so we can talk candidly how much do we hate those losers right right okay no I like them too okay, okay. Jeff
2: I'm right here oh geez, you can hear me I guess I is just
0: the fine <laughs> okay so I want to talk about uh, as, a, as a kid I was a big fan of this guy and he was wasn't a big fan of this sport of American football in fact the first time he saw it he realized that it made rock concerts look like tea parties and we're going to insert a little bit of sound from uh, him. It's John Lennon. In 1974 he went to his first American football match and I think it was perhaps to support a concert tour or something like that. But here's a guy who was, uh, everybody was an amazing fan of him, but he had really not interacted that much with American football and American sports. And seeing John Lennon and Howard Cosell in the same frame is a real trip because they're definitely two different personality types, full of charisma and uh, each a celebrity in their own continents. But that's that's my vote for uh, famous sports fan. And that's an interesting choice, by the way, because it was Howard Cosell who announced the death of John Lennon. The death. I think was six years later, Howard Cosell <laughs> got to make that known to the world.
2: Right, now, that, now that I've really <laughs> brought everybody down. <laughs> <laughs>
0: After much deliberation, I, you know, I got to say I was a real fan of Richard's choices because they brought back a lot of nostalgia. Rainbow, a uh, wig guy, and Morgan at the kissing band, were part of my understanding of sports as a kid because I wasn't much of an athlete myself. So televised sports were really just about as interesting as the colorful characters who I saw on them, and those two definitely were colorful characters. Uh, but I gotta go with Michael Winfield on this episode, because I definitely think all his choices were, I mean, we know the word fan is short for fanatic, which can mean fanatical things, like uh, some of Richard's choices for it. but definitely Michael focused on the people who were tried and true fans and loved the sports. Spike Lee, loving basketball as much as Paul Rudd, loves all of Kansas City sports. And Lawrence Levy, paying all this money, of course he's got it, but can follow it around and support the market. And you know, I love Barack Obama, and I love how much he is accessible as a president because of his love for things that we all love, and sports are definitely chief among them for this uh, chief um, uh, executive of the United States. So I got to give it to Michael Winfield this week for putting together such a nice list
2: of true fans of sports. Okay, so next time, make sure I have a Kansas City sports person on there. <laughs> That's the nail in the coffin, right? There. Yeah, I was dead when Michael did that. No can defend. <laughs> it's funny, I didn't. Uh, anyway. Were you to say. Yeah. Okay. So that's our Mount
0: Rushmore podcast. I have been Jeff. Uh,
2: I'm Richard. I'm Michael.